0: All right, welcome to another edition of our Q&A live stream. I'm Aaron, and of course, we're here with Alexander.
1: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us and um, looking forward to this discussion tonight.
0: And we will be discussing our most recent podcast episode on how judgment uh, allows us to or doesn't allow us to uh, create change within our society and of course, before we start, I did want to read aloud the card that I chose for everybody tonight, which ended up being Tiger mm. from the Animal Spirit Guidebook. I like
1: the feline energy.
0: And Tiger Energy reads, the tiger hunts at night at one with the silence, fearing nothing. This card reminds us to take in the wild darkness to allow the lunar forces to soothe and heal our spirits. Sensuality, receptivity, and devotion are all heightened in the midnight hour and the tiger takes advantage of these boons. Spend time in silence this evening, drinking in the potent calm. There is nothing to fear in the stillness except the awakening of your own power. And when this energy is in balance, you will feel passion, strong, and sensual when out of balance, overstimulated. And to bring into balance, they say, do uh, Tritaka. I hope I'm saying that right, which in parentheses says candle gazing. So that's pretty cool. Hmm. So I feel like that that was very fitting for our times currently. And so I wanted to start off by... Posing a question to you, Alexander and and defining our terms tonight that we're going to be discussing, which is judgment, but the opposite of judgment or the balance, the um, would be assessment. So can you define judgment and assessment and then how or which one is more appropriate for an overall energetic wellness perspective?
1: Yeah, these are very important terms to uh, get separate, especially from the just philosophy perspective. And in judgment, uh, very little, if anything, is learned um, because we are we are blocking the information from the situation of the person with our own present perception instead of um, being open to seeing it differently. See, assessment is done without needing anything to be any different. Um, Assessment is worked through acceptance. And just because you accept something does not mean that you condone it or that you even support it. But it helps to, you have to accept to be able to, once again, see it clearly. And that's what judgment uh, interferes with is uh, in judgment normally is coming through the filters of the emotions and as we've discussed many many times anytime the emotions are activated you're just not seeing anything clearly you're in reaction mode so that's why staying in assessment and and that's connected to the teaching of the the philosophy as well of non-preference in in a situation to where you have non-preference you can see things much more clearly And this is why it's challenging for um, parents with their children or even in relationships many times for us to see the person or the situation clearly because the more intimately connected we are, normally the more preferences we have. So there's a lot of judgment going on in those situations rather than just assessing. So this whole system is set up to help one uh, learn the process of assessing outside of judgment.
0: So as we have been doing, we, we pose a question for you all to uh, answer and, and comment on. And of course, anybody who's watching on Facebook or YouTube, if you leave a comment in the chat, I will be able to see it and read it aloud. If whether it's a question or a comment or a response to uh, our question. And so for tonight, our question posed to you guys out there is, what self-judgment do you struggle with? Uh, most with. And I did want to share the one that I struggle with the most, which, uh, and and I did want to say that usually we can identify what our self-judgment is by what we judge externally. Or I don't know if you want to add to that, Alexander.
1: And we'll say that, mention that again, where you're at.
0: So usually we can identify what we struggle with the most uh, based on what we judge externally. Yes, yes, as, as very,
1: it's very connected. Uh, once again, anything that we're experiencing external, there is something internal, that uh, process that's very similar. So when we, when we work on uh, the judging of ourselves and we look, work to accept ourselves, then that takes us in a direction to be less judgmental externally. And so when we, that's why I suggest, especially during these times, when you catch yourself being judgmental of something that someone says or something that someone does, and right now everyone's super sensitive to that. If you can take the time to shift that to where do I treat myself in that way? Say that, um, you know, you hear someone belittling somebody else and you want to take up for that underdog person right away ask yourself where do i belittle myself many of us talk down to ourselves all the time talk to ourselves in a way that we we are afraid of failing we may not be good enough and so that's what that external situation in that moment is really to help us to heal something inside and then we can see that external situation in a completely different light whether it's uh, accepting that judgment part of ourselves And that's getting more in that assessment and forgiving something of ourselves. And then we can maybe forgive that person externally a little bit easier next time as well. So I found them to work in conjunction uh, very, very much. So, you know, it helps with compassion as well. If you look at it from that view to when you see how passionate someone is from a judgmental standpoint towards somebody else, you know, it is showing a level of passion but it shows more than likely how much they beat themselves up so 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 it it helps to for me anyway to understand that when i see somebody that is that negative or that judgmental i just happen to accept that they are extremely hard on themselves and um that uh can help shift the vibration from Once again, my judgment into assessment, because when we can get to compassion, that's getting closer to being able to see it clearly, and that's how you know kind of the barometer of wherever you're at on that assessment or judgment is by how much compassion you're able to carry.
0: So it's no secret to those closest around me that my... uh, my type of self judgment that I struggle with the most is how I'm seen, how I'm perceived outwardly, which is obviously my own struggle with how I see myself. Mm-hmm. And it it deals a lot with if somebody judges me externally and thinks like, I feel a certain way about a certain topic or, you know, a certain uh, perception when I know I don't. And, I think the, the frustration around it for me is where did I go wrong? Where is the, the breakdown in communication of how I'm carrying myself and what energy I'm giving off into how it's being perceived. And I understand that we're not going to bat a thousand with, you know, getting everybody to see, uh, you know, how we want to be perceived, but, but that is uh, something that I struggle with. And I know that acceptance, you know, goes a long way with that.
1: Yeah, and when we step into one of the other pillars, the five pillars of this work, um, uh, learning to, you know, utilize every person or every situation as your teacher. And that doesn't mean that everything has a lesson in it or everyone has a lesson from them, but it means that you can seek that lesson. You can always find a lesson. So, So learning that the people that that judge you, that uh, make you question certain aspects of yourself, There, we wouldn't be able to grow if we didn't have those challenges. So this is, once again, another point that helps to get toward that acceptance is when you don't feel um, the need to to judge them because they're judging you you can get more into an appreciative state of mind of if they hadn't done that, I wouldn't have had been able to have a self check-in to really see how I'm feeling about that and pay attention about that subject and pay attention to when somebody does give you some judgment of some kind, the reaction that you have, there are three different options. There is that you have absolutely no emotional reaction. So it carries absolutely no truth to you. So, Then the second one is that you have a, uh, you don't agree with them and you need to like prove them wrong uh, or prove yourself. That's always a a very big sign to pay attention to because if there's something that we need to prove, we may not see that as clearly within ourselves as we think we do. So, and then there's the feeling of when somebody says something and you agree with them. So the main thing is when you don't agree with them, do you have an emotional reaction? If you do, then I suggest you look at that more deeply in yourself because like I said, you may not be as clear about that subject uh, as you think that you are. If you need to defend it, then there's something there that hasn't been cleaned up.
0: Yeah, and um, uh, I have a, a friend who who uh, shared one of his, and he said uh, his biggest self judgment is meeting a level of success by a metric that is set culturally and socially. That took time. That and it took time for him to create his own.
1: Yes, yes, and that's you know that's a challenge for everyone because most people in our culture, you know, carry similar expectations uh, just because that's the way we've been trained at. Like what is successful what what measurement equates to success you know, and in our culture for a long time it's been monetary uh value and the ownership of things and and um and of course that's crumbling you know in front of us, and I think people are looking to find success in another way because uh, there's such a large cost to be in the upper echelon of like so-called financially wealthy and um, you know, and people are here to play out different roles and that's important to, to see as well. So I remember, you know, stepping out of those restrictions and those judgments and, um, and it's very, it is challenging, but now especially is the time that we're being shown that nothing is guaranteed and everything could be basically taken away at any moment. So, I think this is a great time for self assessment for each individual to truly look at what you know is important to them, and once again, this is helpful to to know your your human design makeup and your two cards, your personality card and your birth card, because this can help people understand uh more clearly their natural value system and what would be like. Successful from a soul standpoint, and we have to understand that our, our minds have been trained in this idea of success, and we need to get more in alignment with what lights our soul up. and I think that's what people are being called to right now.
0: So I did want to bring in um, preference versus non-preference, and in the episode, we did equate uh, judgment and uh, judgment versus ass- assessment with preference versus non-preference, and uh, I wanted you to get into what it, what it is like living in the non-preference, because you did say that it's not living without preferences, but it's, you know, or maybe you can go into more detail.
1: Yeah, so this is one that many people struggle with, and uh, the key is that in any situation, you can let go of your preference. Um, for example, I happen to like green beans better than broccoli but if i go to someone's house and they have broccoli i'm not going to get upset and emotional and throw a temper tantrum and say no i want green beans see i can make that adjustment that even though i do prefer green beans i'm willing to adjust in this situation and not let that preference either ruin my evening or uh, mess up the communication, um, any of those like issues that, that normally happen. So it's not that you just say, oh, I don't have a preference of anything in this world. It's just that when you come to a situation where it's either being challenged or it's being taken away, that you can unplug from that preference in a way that doesn't um, make you react emotionally emotionally which is going to drain your energetic field, which is eventually going to create uh, disturbances in the physical body. So this is all about managing your emotions. And, you know, where I really worked with this was any anything like around competition that you have a preference, like uh, a favorite sports team. I used to be extremely plugged into my sports team and whether they won or lost had a great effect on me, like for the rest of my day or the, or the week. And I had to pull away in my thirties from watching any sports for 10 years. And after taking that time away, then when I stuck my toe back in it, so to say, because I was working on something for the guy, my two sons and myself to relate to I stepped back into it in that preference that I was only going to watch a game if I was completely felt the same afterwards, whether they won or lost. And then I started seeing that I'm only going to invest in myself, like that level of preference. And even if I don't have anything to do with it, then I'm certainly not going to carry a preference in it because it's too haphazard. So, so now That's the analogy I'll get. Is like I will say that I have a so-called favorite football team or basketball team that I enjoy watching, but I'm not concerned with whether they win or lose the game. It's really about watching the play, and and that's what I took into my own world. I used to be really competitive sports wise. And now um, I just want to have a good time. So I do play Frisbee golf. And I was talking with a guy that I play with often. And he said that, you know, I really want to, I feel like I'm stuck. I want to go to this next level and I want to get better. And and we were just having a conversation and I said, you know, I'm really happy with the level of play that I have because I just do it for fun. Uh, I know that I would need to practice uh, to get better. But that's an area that I don't necessarily need to 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 get better to where it used to be. I had to get better at everything, so that's what keeps that that judgment present, that self um, self judgment and present is that always feeling like you're not good enough. And so I don't want this to come across as you should just be like um, lackadaisical. It's it's that what area are you pushing yourself? And I would rather push myself in another area like self-development than push myself on the disc golf course. And so it it becomes picking and choosing where you really practice these so-called preferences. Uh, But learning to walk life in non-preference is a great practice because you need to be able to turn that on and off or you're going to be subject to what other people do in your environment. And if you're subject like that, you're just uh, you're playing the role of a victim in our society right now because that's what's being shown. Is things are being taken away, things are being forced on you. But see, the wise person doesn't allow that to affect them. They just they start to initiate a change that needs to happen energetically first, and then we will put it into physical motion. And so, um, so right now we're seeing a little bit of the exact opposite. That people are trying to affect change through the physical. And normally that really dwindles after just weeks. And we can already see that it's dwindling, but some people are holding on. And these types of protests, uh, it has to go on for years to truly make change. So um, so those that exhaust themselves physically, um, you know, once again, I carry concern that as we go into the fall with the coronavirus uh, possible second backlash, that, it may, the people that are so emotional right now may be the ones that are more subject to that virus um, later on in, on in the fall because our emotions are tied into our physical body. And when we're emotionally reactive, it drains the energetic field. The energetic field weakens the physical body. And that's where, um, you know, viruses and things can, can, can get in.
0: Yeah. So I did want to briefly say that I also am working on the same thing around sports as, as you have, uh, in your life. And I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm getting there where I used to, uh, emotionally, I mean, react as a, as a teen in in my twenties. If, I mean, if my sports team did not win, it would legit, uh, ruin my whole week. And so I just got, to the perspective of this is just entertainment. I, I no longer like I had to remove my identity or move, remove it from my identity, you know, cause people take on these, like, I guess, you know, you could call it tribalism where it, it's like this team becomes part of their family in a way there's just yeah. so passionate and they put so much energy into it. So if anybody says anything wrong about their sports team, they, they feel they get emotionally reactive and they feel like they have to stick up for them. And so I'm at the point now where it's just entertainment. Like I'm watching a movie and once the movie is over it, you know, I go back to my normal life, but Mm -hmm. I still connect with sports because I feel like it helps me have an outlet for drama and I don't need to have drama in my life, but I can watch it play out on TV and that's enough for me. You know, Mm -hmm. it can stay there and I can turn it off anytime I need to. And I don't need to seek it in my life.
1: Yes. And this is something that, that i shared with a client earlier this week and uh, i felt like it was a really good place to start that uh she was having an issue with her communicating with her family and of course her family has different views than she does with everything that's going on and that's that's pretty common uh commonplace right now and she she said i'm just at my wits end i just don't want to talk to anybody in my family and you know and i love them and she was crying and it was You know, it was a tough situation that many, many people are being faced with right now and friends and family. And that's what I asked her. I said, do you happen to have a favorite sports team? And she said, well, yes, um, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And she said, my family goes way back with them and blah, blah, blah. And I said, "Uh, okay, well, if I happen to like a team such as uh, the Dallas Cowboys, could we still be friends and she said well yes of course and i said then consider looking at your family or anybody that you run in that has different views as fans of another team it doesn't have to be something that we um even though it is serious subjects we have to give people room to grow and change and when when we stand so stern in the way that we look at something Uh, it doesn't provide that space that's comfortable for people to change and so that that really hit a nerve with her and I wanted to share that you know with the group this evening because that is is very important that as we are challenged with people that we do love and more and more of these subjects are talked about we will see that people may see things differently than we thought that they did and and again, we just don't need to always uh, cut them loose right away because if they're around a different influence that's not pushy, that's not judgmental, they may be very likely to change their minds. But if if you're making a stand and someone else is making a stand, you know, I asked her and I've asked other people, how many times have you changed your mind when somebody on the opposing side is yelling at your face? That just very rarely happens. So you do teach someone to listen by listening and you teach someone to communicate by taking the time to be receptive to what they're saying. Um, That's a big part of communication. You don't have to agree when you listen to what somebody says and you accept it, that does not mean that you agree or you condone with what they say. But if you're at all interested in them hearing what you have to say, then taking that role to be the listener first is is, um, is very, very important.
0: Yeah, and I did want to go back to what you were talking about before with uh, what's going on in the world now with the, the protests And we did talk about the two extremes uh, on on the podcast episode, and I do believe that. And then in our next episode coming out next week, we do expand upon all of this that we discussed in this episode on judgment. And when one extreme is defined in our society, it tends to then create a rival extreme. So when, when, when one person takes one side, um, even if it's not like quote extreme. So for example, if, um, if I wanted to take the stance that I hate strawberries and I go and buy, I buy the domain, I hate And I write, <laughs> I make a website about all, all the reasons why I hate strawberries. There's going to be people <laughs> who just show up, who take the stance that they love strawberries. And then I'm crazy. And then they might even, you know, fight me with words and, and create that energy. And I've seen it in myself where even if I'm, I don't have the stance of like, I love strawberries. So passionately, if I see somebody saying that they hate strawberries and what reasons why it causes me to like, like, if I I don't see their end, I immediately like want to take the opposing side.
1: Yes, and that's that's part of, you know, the polarity view that we talk about a lot in this um, philosophy and podcast, and that if one side exists, you know, the opposite of equal value has to exist, and that's shown all the way through nature. So once again, we do want to support change, but how we do it is very telling, A, to how fast the change will occur. Uh, but even more importantly, how long it will stick. So yes, the more emotional that you make your stance, uh, you will always find eventually somebody that is on the other side as equally charged. And so this is why from my perception, I don't feel like the emotions need to be part of the change. Um, we have the right to feel the emotions, but Process and go through the emotions before you go to elicit change or go to communicate about the change, you're going to be much more successful. See, I'm not suggesting to not be emotional. I'm not suggesting to stifle your emotions. Right time, right place, right person, right duration to know when to have those experiences. And then if you're looking to make change, that you take the time to process those emotions and release them which this work helps with drastically and then go attempt to communicate because, <coughs> excuse me, because if, if anyone is trying to get their friends or their families once again to, to shift their perspective, then these techniques are very important and you don't have to lose people that just feel a certain way right now. Um, people can change their perspectives but A, I happen to feel that first they need to feel that they're not challenged, that they are accepted, even if they're not agreed with. And then that person is more likely to be willing to see it a different way. than as you say, if that challenge is there, every time that they come together, even if the person wants to change, as you mentioned, you can feel that pull, that pull to play that opposite because I happen to feel that the middle way is always what's trying to be found and trying to be realized and that those two people can stop at any moment and see it like at the equator rather than the North and South Poles. And they can meet there in the equator and that's where the harmony is. Um, And so this is why it's beautiful to be passionate, but put your passion into your art, be creative, write poetry, do paintings, write music, you know, uh, just write a book, That get those thoughts out and down. But when you're trying to communicate those thoughts with others, when you get emotional, then yes, yeah, like uh, throwing fu- uh, gasoline on a fire, those emotions just create other emotional reactions. And that's when people do things that's, that's very, very unfortunate.
0: And you've talked about stopping the ripple or stopping the emotional reaction, because once you have an emotional reaction, and if you take that out on somebody else, then you're like transferring this energy to them. And then they might yell back and you might get into an argument there, but it doesn't, it doesn't leave there because then both of you have created this emotional reaction in yourselves. And then that person might go to their family and then have an emotional reaction on their child or their, you know, their loved one. So you know, what's the, so the benefit of doing the work or, or staying, finding that, that neutral ground is, you know, is almost like a benefit to all. So maybe go into, you know, the process and the benefit of stopping the ripple.
1: Yes. And, and, you know, this is, this is kind of like making a decision to truly be what I call a a love warrior that is, is connected to the teaching from jesus to turn the other cheek that you're willing to take a blow and not blow back or not continue that blow to that you're truly stopping this emotional ripple and sometimes you have to play that role many 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 times before the person can learn to maybe not emotionally react so much so and And with that you know there's no judgment here to people that do emotionally react it's something that that uh, most everyone has to work on to manage unless you're detached and there's that's the other extreme in this work is there are people that are just emotionally detached so sometimes they have jobs or careers in high responsibility areas and, you know, many doctors can come across this way, that they're trained that, you know, you, you, you can't get all involved and it can come across very abrasive when you're the family of the person that's sick. So, so you know, we want to make sure that people out there that are, that do experience emotional reactions, that we're not judging them. We're just saying, hey, recognize that you were taught this. And the majority of people that are emotionally reactive were taught it as children and some families don't even see it as something necessarily negative it's a way of communicating i know i've ran into um siblings and parents that that just curse one another out and then they just let it go and the next day they start with a clean slate so, so there's different effects. Some people are affected more by that. But I still feel that the person that's in that environment, even if they don't take it as bad as it sounds, see, they've had to detach, learn to detach or learn to protect themselves to be in that environment. So then it can actually become like a defense mechanism. And it just it's a trigger that sets them off so fast. But they don't want it to be as harsh as it sounds. Um, but to especially somebody that's empathic or somebody that didn't grow up in that kind of environment, it can be very, very challenging. And for anybody that's been through PTSD or any type of healing trauma, it can be excruciating to be around. So so we do want to make sure that anybody out there that is either struggling with emotions or emotional reaction, there's no judgment here. There just is like a a process of learning not to... Uh, react and get back in the response and this begins with what we talked about earlier really around competition and seeing that you you don't need to make a stand about every single issue that comes up um, and that that's done through practice uh, so and most emotionally reactive people they tend to make a stand often if not always when they're involved and feel as though it's their obligation to do so and what that is is really it's an obligation for an outlet for that emotion Um, because people normally feel better right after an emotional reaction uh, as it's happening that release of the anger or frustration but then they have to deal with the guilt and many times afterwards and so see there's a release but then there is an extra weight of feeling remorse for what happened
0: and I did want to pause and pose the question of the night to everybody uh, new who has joined us. Uh, the question is, what self-judgment do you struggle most with? And feel free to leave it in the comments and we can read it out loud if, if you choose to. If you don't want that to happen, then go ahead and just say that. Um, but again, also any questions that you have on what we're talking about, please make sure to leave them in the Comments and I will read them aloud to Alexander. Yes, um, and
1: self, and I'm sorry to cut in right there, but self-judgment is a very big issue because most people don't realize how much energy that they truly drain by just questioning themselves almost constantly. And in the human design, there's even a gateway, a gate 63, that is the gateway of the doubter, and there's another one that is the gateway of possibilities. So see, some people have both of these, and it creates an internal struggle that as soon as they are inspired and have an idea about something, uh, their mind right away gives them a flooding of reasons of why it won't work out. So see, even when somebody seems to be so-called pessimist, they could, they may be energetically de- designed to be that way, and we need all roles, um, so we need everybody to play these roles that we play. But pessimism doesn't have to be seen as negative, because pessimism is an opportunity to see it from just a different perspective. It doesn't have to be taken negative. So, um, so how we you know work with these intricacies that we all have these these energetic uh, influences, these uh, family influences. Just know that any the majority of negativity that you experience, you were taught. And anything that we were taught, we can unlearn as well. And that's why the saying came to me that wisdom is in the emptying and knowledge is in the learning. Seek the wise. And I have ran into and met uh, probably hundreds, if not thousands, of very intelligent people. But I've only ran into a handful of wise people. And the difference is the wise has released all of their baggage their stories, their victimization, their self-judgments. And uh, the knowledgeable are trying to put more information in to always try to fix. And some things don't need to be fixed. They need to be released. And I think that that's something to to really focus on, that everything doesn't need to be fixed. It just sometimes it just needs to be released because going back to the the very first pillar in this work is find the divine order in the chaos. And if we can get uh, centered and remember that, you know, there is a divine order happening here. And if I'm in resistance to what's happening or judging this as negative, then I'm misperceiving it. Um, and uh, that's a, you know, a whole other discussion to go in to explain that. But I think those are very important points that we're not judging people that do show their emotions But we do suggest that if you will just work on, um, and kids are very helpful here. They can help you work on your emotions very, very good for those that are stuck at home with them. But it is truly a releasing and an acceptance. And I want to give an example right quick of that. The way that I use that with the boys is when they were growing up and say they were eight or nine, they're running through the house or something like that. And before I would say something to them, I would, you know, feel, notice that I was frustrated and I would go and I would sit down and go into a meditation and what I would consider is why am I allowing them to irritate me? They are just being kids and as long as they're safe, I don't need to micromanage them all the time and so I would sit down and I would get into like having the thought of what if the possibility that one of them... Something might happen to one of them tomorrow. Would today them running through the house really be that big of a deal? And the answer was no. So see, I'm getting back to appreciation. I'm getting back to being grateful that they're in my life. And then I've proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that energy responds. And so when I would get back to that place of love and compassion, then each time they would get the message energetically and they would just like stop acting up and go do something that i would suggest them to do anyway go to the room or go outside or something like that so the thing that i really want parents to see but not only parents with your with your grown-up family and your friends is that when we have resistance to something people around us have to play those roles to press our buttons, to poke us, so to say, giving us an opportunity to let that go. But it is a process, and this is what I enjoy working with people very deeply with. And right now, we've just released a five-level wellness guide that is kind of like a daily planner to go through. And it touches on all of this um, stuff, the five different levels, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the energetic, and the spiritual or religious And that all of these levels are connected, but the, the emotional is questionably, you know, one of the most important because it is what drains our energy so quickly. Um, so, so I'm glad to get to clear a little bit of that up.
0: So Elizabeth says that she judges herself most harshly when it comes to her past.
1: Yes. And, and this is true. Um, I do want to say hello to Elizabeth, um, this is true for a lot of people, and this is where I like to suggest be careful with the would've's, the could've's, or the should's. because if we do follow that there's a divine order to things out there, nothing could have been done differently, and when we're able to see where we're at as potentially being the best place that we've ever been, that might not mean that everything in our life is the best it's ever been. But this, that who we are, where we've come from, things that we have left behind. See, in order to accept ourselves in the present, we have to love ourselves in the past. I like to look at it with a little um, laughter to realize that if I hadn't been put in certain situations that I'm not necessarily proud of how I handled them. But if we don't fail, then we don't learn. The beauty is when we're able to look at those so-called failures from the past, stay out of the would-haves, could-haves, or should-haves, and just say, from this point moving forward, no moss. I'm not doing that anymore, and I'm going to use my past as incentive to help me to remember how that doesn't work for me, that it always has a, a larger cost, and then we have to use structure and discipline to not fall back into those old ruts, so looking back on you know young alexander say in his late 20s you know i had a big opportunity in my music uh, scene to with a record label a european tour opening up for a national act i had gotten everything that i wanted um but now i look back then that that what was one of the most excruciating times when i got dropped off of a leg of tour Uh, tour with a band called the Red Hot Chili Peppers when that happened it crushed my life but now looking back I'm able to be so grateful that that didn't happen because it would took me down a completely different path and I remember just being hard to be around during that time because I was so uh, taken back by uh, at that time it was one of the most devastating things that had happened to me And now I'm able to look at that through doing this work for so many years and smile at it and just, you know, kind of pat myself on the head and say, you had no idea what was ahead. Now I've been through so many more other challenging things. So the the idea of loving ourselves even when we weren't the best example of ourselves is still necessary because as long as we don't do it now in the present then that's a sign of growth. And we should never shame growth. We should embrace it. And so that's a big step in learning to love ourselves, especially when we felt like we could have made a different decision and our life would be different at this time. Use that for inspiration to just make change now and generate something different.
0: Michelle asks, how can we release self-judgment?
1: well the releasing of that self-judgment does come through that acceptance and so I like to work inward and outward simultaneously so in that situation I would like to suggest to find somebody external that you're carrying a lot of judgment for at this time maybe that's a past friend maybe it's somebody in your family or maybe it's somebody that you recently run into maybe it's somebody that You've seen through a Facebook feed that's given um, a comment that that comes across, you know, extremely negative and practice loving them with their view to realize that their view was just taught to them and that if they had the opportunity to be around somebody with enough compassion, and enough patience, that view could shift and we need to do the same thing internal that if we can do that for that person external. Get out of our judgment, accept them for who they are and where they're at, realize that they were just trained that and that they can unlearn it with enough compassion. See, if you go through that exercise externally, then internally you can do it at the same time, especially if you can hold in your intention a view of yourself that you would really like to, to shift. Because it's simultaneously, as I'm accepting this person externally, I'm going to accept that, yes, when I was 17 or 34 or whatever, I did this, and uh, I might want to say that I'm ashamed of it, but I'm going to love that person because I'm not that person anymore. Just like I'm going to love this external person that we have very, very different views because Jesus said, love thy neighbor. He didn't say, love thy neighbor that looks at things the way that you do. So once again, this is uh, appreciation that acceptance does not condone the actions. It just means that you are hearing and from my perspective, respecting another person's view. And if we really want change, people need to feel heard. That take, for example, that when you, you know, when you feel heard, many times we're we are more open to changing our mind. And that's what, you know, this, this self judgment that we may need to say stuff out loud, you know, speak it to the wind, the sky, the trees, to mother earth. We may need to say, Hey, little Alexander, you know, when you were 27 and you were acting like uh, a child, cause you didn't get that, that show, you know, I want to love you first and say, Hey, I remember that was a really hard time. And Then I want to say, hey, what did you learn there? And well, I learned not to attach to things that I don't have control over. Okay, well, where are you at now? I'm a whole lot further down the road of non-preference. And so it becomes a measuring stick rather than a judgment that you have to continue doing. And then what it does allow is any of those major failures gives you the opportunity to truly be of assistance to others down the road in your life that have had similar situations. So I know some people that, you know, were drug addicts at a certain part of their life and they really are ashamed of that. And I like to suggest, please don't be ashamed of that because you will run one day run into one or more drug addicts. And when you're able to say, I know what you mean. And they look at you and they will know whether you know or not. And that's, that's the people that you can connect with the people you've had similar Um, situations as and when you have done this work and you've overcome it I can't express the inspiration and the help that you can give to those people that are going through it in the present so please use your past to see that it can be a great tool for you in the near coming future and please stay away from that judgment and a wonderful um, energetic hug to Michelle by the way
0: yeah I think what you're what you're actually talking about is actually what our next episode is about is is when that uh, drug addict who's recovered, the reason why they can communicate with somebody who's there and they can realize because they exemplify you know, what they've seen and they can talk the talk of what the person who's struggling with it has or is dealing with at the current moment.
1: Yes, and that, and that relating is what people are starving for right now. That's what our, our help system uh, if you call it health or whether it 's mental health or physical health, got so far away from that intimate connection and and it's it 's being seen and missed uh, drastically, and I think that that 's going to be a big part of the table 's turning is that it is going to be you know the proofs in the pudding there 's such a big outbreak right now of self help people coming out and but it will still come down to. The people that can uh generate uh some success and some usefulness but i do you know admire people that are attempting to take their life in a different direction and and some people are being very courageous at this times to to do things like that
0: when you were talking about um releasing the self-judgment and you were talking about uh doing it expert or externally where if you listen to other people and their views it will help you heal internally. It actually reminded me of this show that I I feel like it was a show. It was on TV at, when when I was growing up, and I want to say it was called Wife Swap, where the wives of two polarities would switch, and yes. they would follow you know they follow follow them around. And I remember watching one where you know there was there was um, a couple that was you know very much against guns, and then they got matched with you know you know, some people living down South who had guns everywhere and hunted. And, and so and on the show, they switched and both of them got to see the other side and get to see that these people are people and they have feelings too. And they got to understand the view better. And I think after the show, in most episodes, they tended to see everything from a more neutral standpoint or in the middle of the two extremes like we were talking about.
1: Yes, and I, I mean, and I think I do recall uh, something vaguely about that that show. And it does show that, yes, if we were immersed in someone else's um, lifestyle or view, you know, it could either make you go one way or the other. You could either carry and gain some compassion for them and appreciation or just increase your hatred. Because once again, it's your own free will of whether you decide to be receptive to a person or a situation or you decide to look at it as competitive. And normally in the competitive world that we've been kind of trained in in our culture, there's very little communication that goes on. There's a lot of talking. There's a lot of debating. uh, There's a lot of just uh, speaking, but very little communication because it takes true receptivity and reciprocation for conscious communication to happen.
0: So Rachel asks, how do you release the fear of something you always feel threatened by? For example, growing up with a violent, abusive sibling whose nature is self-righteous and materialistic, what happens when you have uh, accepted their views and vulnerability through asking the wise-wise, but their physical and impulsive nature still scares you?
1: Right. Well, this is a a very, very great question Um, because the way that that energy works – subtle energy is it's always looking for friction to grow and fear is something that once again it's taught um, normally by an environmental strain like having a sibling and growing up with that energy uh, for so long so the, the healing that needs to, to happen in that situation is a very gradual healing That if you happen to feel that the person is has the potential to be physically abusive, then my suggestion is to literally really uh, regulate your time in their presence and to always have a way to leave, so to say, Um, because when someone is like on the verge of being physically abusive, yes, anything can set them off. If it's just their words, if it's just uh threats, if it's just talk, you know, you can get to a point to where like anything that you are insecure about or scared of, if you take the more like little doses that you can take before getting full blown uh fearful, it's a it's a training, so to say. So like um So with this, what I would like to suggest is that this lady's energy needs to get used to being in the brother's energy without feeling threatened. So that may mean that uh, you, you regulate your time around them to go, okay, I've noticed that I can take being around them for about 15 minutes before I start to get uncomfortable. If that's the case, then, set up the next time that you 're going to see them that it 's only ten minutes that you 're around them because what you want to do is you want to teach your energy field that there is a safety here and that i 'm not always going to put you in a situation that is fight or flight so as you work with those time frames, and I have uh, you know a person in my family that I exercise this with now uh, with one of my brothers that you know, he can press my buttons unlike anybody else on the planet. And that's why I started with him was that I would only be around him for about fifteen minutes. And then it grew to like thirty. And now I'm up to about forty-five minutes is what I can take before the things that he says, the things his actions toward his grandchildren, his wife, things like that, really start to weigh on me. So I always work to pay attention to those time frames of how long can I make it until I start to feel uncomfortable and then I practice leaving for a long time before that, uh, that reaction so to say kicks in and you can communicate this to just say that you're busy or when you see them say oh is if you're looking to be cordial you can say it's so good to see you uh, I've really got I've got something planned but I've got about 10 minutes here And so that kind of informing really helps. And then, you know, down the road, when you get to where, say, you've done it five to seven times and you haven't gone into that fight or flight, then extend it maybe five minutes or 10 minutes to, okay, now I'm going to try 20 minutes. And the very next time you go in and you feel that friction like at 20 minutes, then you might want to back up and say, okay, 15 minutes is going to be the sweet spot. Because you want to keep pushing the time frame to be able to be around them without them setting your trigger off, so to say. And this is a way that that what you're doing is you're teaching yourself to trust your own instincts and energy field. And you're giving yourself, you're standing in power to say that as long as I regulate my environment and my time around this person, then I don't have to deal with this person so much. So I would love it if she happens to have a follow-up question, if she feels like that that was useful or not useful, because I would love to adapt it per situation. That's normally the way that it goes, you know, in private sessions. Sometimes it's challenging to ask and just general answer in just general ways.
0: Absolutely. And Michelle uh, mentioned to the, to our question, what is, or what self-judgment do you struggle the most with? She said, I was struggling with PTSD and I was emotionally reacting And I used to make a stand, um, but she sees her old self now and is actively working on that.
1: That's beautiful. Yes. And, and, you know, PTSD is something that is, you know, very real. Um, You know, I don't necessarily get into labels, but I have experienced when you go through something, a major event or an accumulation of events through your life, uh, you can just one day be in a completely different operating system. And that did happen with me, and you know, I went from being the most grounded uh, Southern person that you ever met to when my uh, when Sherry passed, just completely lightheaded and ungrounded. And it took me years to work on bringing that back. So, so I do see PTSD as a type of polarity flip, and you basically have to relearn how to approach almost every aspect in your life and be willing to change what you watch on TV, the music you listen to, the people that you're around. So all of that becomes part of this work that, which is managing your environment is the way to wisdom. And, and part of your environment is your internal thoughts, your past cleaning that out. And and then in the present day, you know, choosing your environment and the people and the things that you subject yourself to, and not needing to make stands, but just remove yourself from it. It's, a, it's Once again, it's a teaching your energetic field and your emotions that we're not, we don't always have to go to war. Sometimes we can visit the battle and not even step in and just go, yeah, I don't want to battle today. So I'm just going to leave because that gives a person strength individually in their, their, their own power. And that's why managing your environment is very important. So with that said, you know, while I was going through my healing time of that, I didn't ride with anybody. I didn't carpool with people to somewhere because I always wanted to have a way to leave. I wanted a way out of the conversation, a way out of the situation. And so that can seem a little bit like potentially overly protective, but it's all about getting to a point where your energetic field feels relaxed and then that you just kind of practice like doing push-ups to, to make that longer, to do more, to do more slowly, uh, without injuring yourself, which is sending yourself back into that fight or flight.
0: So I did want to kind of get back to us talking about the polarities of, of energy. And when somebody takes a stance, another stance, uh, pops up the exact, uh, extreme opposite. And I wanted to pose a question to you, and you know, this is a little uh, touchy based on what's what's happening, but it's relevant. So I think the conversation needs to be had, and I'm just gonna, you know, say it with caution: is um, when a side starts to fight against racism, and and you know, say so they they bring it to to the the forefront of the of society's conversation. does that also create the (laughs) create more racism essentially because you're taking a side and saying, this is bad. And like we talked about where, with my strawberry argument, where if I take the stance and say, you know, strawberries are the worst fruit or, or are bad, or I hate them, then there's going to be people just coming in saying that they love them and arguing with me. But so in the, in the stance of, of racism, do we also see that from an energetic perspective?
1: I mean, uh, I do. Uh, I see that you know everything from an energetic perspective works within similar parameters, and so that's why everything on this planet, whether it's you know animals work within certain parameters, humans do energy, and knowing how to um, to see that in a way that is useful is is you know very important and and i do want to be delicate here because of course i don't want to offend but this is getting back to just how energy works and you most people have been through an argument to where the louder you yell (laughs) the louder the other person yells at you back and now some people the louder you yell the quieter they get so, so see, it's, it's a universal polarity. It's not always an, uh, reciprocating between two parties. But many times, even if a person is yelling and the other person is quiet, if that gets filmed and then somebody that is equally opposing on the other side can get just as angry at seeing that person so passionate. So the way that I like to approach it and the way that I'm going to answer this question is to look at it from a perspective of when I get emotionally charged and really carry all of that so-called passion, is it really helpful? Do people like, uh, listen more? And I think this is what's important is that to see that if you can be softer in your delivery, then you're probably going to run into others that are softer in their delivery. And if you're harsh in your delivery, then you're probably going to run into others that are harsh in their delivery. So it's really about the style or the way that you want to approach it. But just know that if you do go into it extremely passionate and emotional, then you are probably going to be met with that equal Um, amount of energy opposing eventually like but this is where like the more popular somebody is or the more uh, followers they have or something like that you know the sooner that's going to happen Uh, and that's why it is important for us to stand in our views in the way that we see things but it is also very useful to carry compassion while we're explaining the change that is needed if we're able to show the compassion for where we are at or that person is at, that, that buffers a lot rather than just going into it challenging. And it's very similar to an athlete that approaches everything from a competitive, that there's got to be a winner and a loser, and then an athlete that is practices much more uh, sportsmanship and they, they do have this drive to want to win. But at the same time, they appreciate their, their opponent. They respect their opponent. And when they lose, they're able to say, hey, uh, they were the better team tonight. But that don't mean that the war is over. They're going to play again. So that's why even in debating or two people coming together that have different views, that can be okay. It's when the emotions get involved that the communication stops and then people choose to divide and choose sides and then they've got to make a stand because now there's competition again it's, it's, it's got to be a winner and a loser and that's every time it shifts the energy from competition rather than like uh, good sportsmanship um, it, it normally turns out to where there are casualties so to say of uh, one respect or another
0: yeah, in a way, we are kind of going back to that sports metaphor that we discussed at the beginning of this show, where there is an energetic cost to being so passionate about something and taking something on as your identity. And I'm coming from the experience of being very politically active throughout my last 10 years. I mean, it's changed over the last three or four, but I, like, even to the point where I was marching in an anti-war march in front of Washington, because mm-hmm. I was so passionate about that. And so, like, I, I can see both sides now of, of this argument. And, like, my stance is, like I discussed on the the last podcast episode, is trying to find that what you would call equilibrium, that sweet spot in the middle of these two extremes. And and just so I don't need to put or I don't need to expend the energy on one extreme or the other because I feel the cost is, is too much for me, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and I think this is where, you know, uh practicing creativity or being an artist is so important and everyone is an artist from my perspective to take that passion and just redirect it is back to the three r's recognize respect and redirect that if you were if you direct that passion into something creative um even if it's just to get rid of it it can it can be useful uh to write a poem or to do a painting or to you know that's what artists do is they express themselves through this art and say you write it in a poem you can write it to where a person that reads that may not pick up on uh, as much of the anger as if you were just saying it to them and people give art see that that respect that uh, acceptance that I'm talking about even if they don't understand it. You know, it doesn't like necessarily make them mad like a conversation was. They just go, Yeah, I mean, I don't get it. I just don't really like it. But see, that artist got to express themselves exactly the way that they wanted to. And hopefully they were releasing those emotions. <clears throat> excuse me. Releasing those emotions while they were creating that art. And then that art has a, the opportunity to be around for years. Uh, for decades to where that conversation that you had is is uh, potentially just going to be null and void after just a very little time so so it's important to to see ourselves the more passionate that we are the more creative that we need to be the more creativity that, that we need to create and if we're able to channel that passion through the creativity then we can burn that excess energy off. And then when we go into communications, we can be much more level-headed. But we do need to let the steam off, so to say. And that's why I happen to feel that creativity is, is one way. And then physical exercise while being in that, that passion and having that, that frustration or whatever that passion is generating on your mind while you're burning off the physical Uh, energy is also another option for those that struggle with being creative.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is an awesome answer. You know, I've done that when I'm when I get extremely emotional in the past, I've written poems and it's been an outlet to, like you said, let let out some of that steam versus having to speak my emotions to that person, you know, if it was somebody that I'm emotionally reacting to. And I like your viewpoint on art because like you're saying, like if I take out my emotions on one person that only that one person is hearing that perspective. But if I put it in art, like you said, it, it can withstand time and so many p- people can possibly see it. And it it's almost like set up so that people can hear and react to it on a neutral platform. And it doesn't have to stimulate that other side of that emotional reaction back so it's almost like you're you're in a way um uh, ending that ripple with you with that emotional reaction but doing it and then in a productive way where other people can can experience what you're going through and have their own um you know maybe revelations to it
1: yeah and and that type of release is is so important because once again emotional processing part of that is the release of it and i don't I don't care if you've never written a poem. I don't care if you've never painted. It's, once again, it's not about the technique. It's about the exercise. It's about the process of it. And and like anything else, the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. Um, the more that you can just share it and say, hey, here's some words that I put together uh, to get my feelings out. Because it, the, the better, because art was never meant to be liked by everybody that's the beauty of art is that if the majority of people uh, don't resonate with it or it could be said that initially the less people that resonate with it potentially the more artistic it is because uh, people resonate with what they're used to and that's why pop music is so popular is because it's it's, it's popular it, it, it follows trends and and they develop the music and the the characters in certain ways and you know i'm not going to say that that's not art but you know when somebody comes out with something and your response is i've never heard anything like that before then ding 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 to me that's art and and when it can stimulate that in one person and then say, yeah, I don't really get it, I don't really like it, and then their partner or their friend say, man, I love it, it's one of my new favorite songs, you know, that's a win, because many times, I mean, I don't often see couples say, well, you can't listen to that song or read that poetry because I don't like it. See, once again, we find ways in life to bridge these gaps, and I think the more that we see that we, everybody around us doesn't have to feel the way that we do for us to continue a relationship with them and I think just utilizing that analogy to see people as if they have a different view whether it's about racism whether it's about the economy or Trump or whatever just being able to see them as oh you're going you're for the other team um, I can still love you I can still have my views I can still talk to you uh, to you about my views And I can do it in a way to where I don't get upset because if you are clear in your views, there is nothing to defend. It is only something to communicate. So realize that if you are getting overly passionate and you're feeling emotional when you're getting your views across, A, you're not communicating clearly and you may need to go internal and look at that subject a little bit more until you're very clear, and you go, "No, I can talk to anybody about this opposing view or similar view because I'm clear in how I feel about it, and those are the people that's truly going to affect change um, in my meager opinion
0: yeah, and I can look back on my past and and uh you know when I first started, I mean most people who listen to the podcast know that I was into heavily into conspiracies for the last ten years and and over like I think two years ago, I had that ace of spades in my destiny cards mm-hmm. over the the winter. And that was when I had the revelation that that I'm no longer kind of like into that energy. I still dabble in it. I still kind of like to you know, ebb and flow into it sometimes. But my need to change somebody's mind about my perspective is so much less. I still have my moments where I, if I'm energetically low, I'll let something slip out. But like you said, scrolling through Facebook. (laughs) I mean, Facebook, whether you like it or not, it's a great tool to to check or even do some of your uh, self-development work. Yes,
1: just, yeah, exactly. Just pay attention to what sets you off and then go, wait a minute, let's sit down and look at this openly because I think that I'm clear about how I feel about this, but maybe if I was clear, I wouldn't be affected by that opposing view.
0: Yeah, there, Um, there are times when I'll actually type in something like I'll do it out of reaction and I'll be like, okay, well, I'm going to type this to tell them a different perspective. And then I do it and then I erase it and I say it in a different, in a more softer way. And then I do it and then I erase it and I'm like, okay, I don't need to say that.
1: Yeah. Yes. Do a great, thing. great example. And that, and that's part of the processing, you know, I'm suggesting like with writing, uh, yeah, write it, uh, tear it up, throw it away, write it again. Uh, so, so whether you're doing it on a keyboard or with a pen and paper it's really not about the the outcome it's really about the process and um and that's why we need to have this internal dialogue you know with ourselves and in starting to um you know to get ready to wrap up is there was there any other lingering questions that uh, any of the listeners had sent in
0: um i mean i i have a good one um Michelle did say when you're talking about creativity that it's helped her so much. And it's interesting how she did not consider herself creative um, just a couple of years ago. And she said she also threw paint at a canvas, which I feel like Beautiful. Uh, would be a lot of fun.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and that's part of being able to be aggressive in creativity is important. And, uh, you know, every now and then I'll put my uh, guitar amp on distortion and, you know, uh, just Play some like more aggressive type feeling music uh, i 'm not necessarily going to record that and put it out, but it just feels good for that two or three minutes like to play it and then you know i don 't want to hear anything like that for for quite a long time yeah
0: so i can 't remember if we had this conversation personally or if it was on this episode or or the next episode coming out, but I did want to bring it up because it is uh it is a part of this whole conversation in the current situation with the protests and, and, um, that, that <laughs> what's going on in the world. Um, why won't love fix the situation totally? Cause we do hear people saying, you know, Oh, if we just, we, all we need is love. We just need love. And that will solve everything. And so I can't remember where we had this conversation, but you did. It was a great, perspective and I feel like people need to hear this
1: yeah and uh, I mean if it was true I mean listen to this if it was true unconditional love that can fix everything but that's non-preference people that that is you don't carry a preference and so love can fix everything it's just that most people are confusing heart emotional love with that unconditional love that I happen to feel resides, you know, between the root and the second chakra. And so that's the semantics is part of the problem, uh, using words like love and there being so many different meanings about it. So, so I'm a fan of the deepest levels of love that Jesus and great other great teachers have, uh, have talked about. Uh, But it's really a level of love that I see that, most people have no concept of because if you are in that unconditional love, you are accepting of someone else's view. That's the key. And that's the polarity that you don't have to agree with me. You know, Jesus once again taught that, that, that he got lots of resistance, but he didn't need to get aggressive about it. Now, he did with flipping the tables in the church. And I happen to feel that he, that was a controlled action, that he wasn't emotionally reactive. He was speaking to them in the way that they would listen, but he wasn't showing aggression from my perspective. So, so this is, um, you know, I think all of this, the subjects and topics we've talked about this evening are very important with everything that, you know, that we're dealing with and self-expression is so important it, but it doesn't have to happen, you know, at people's businesses and in the protests, uh, you know, I, I want to give Winston-Salem credit again that they, I think yesterday or the day before, they had a huge uh, painting the streets and, and other other cities have done that too. And see, when I see actions like that, that people are getting their opinions out through art and it's going to be a lasting thing that people will see, that to me is very, very powerful. And, um, and so... You know, working with that passion, but utilizing your passion in a creative way rather than a verbal way, I think is much more useful of the energy.
0: Uh, so a final question to wrap up the night. How, how, what can we learn and how can we learn about ourselves through, you know, what's going on in the world today?
1: Well, I think, uh, of course, one of the top subjects is uh, around um, equality around you know race, these different subjects, um, the way that our healthcare system is gonna be, the, the police, um, so paying attention to every time that you have a preference, basically. And every time that you see that someone else's preference really sets you off, realize that you're giving away your power but when you can read an opposing uh statement or hear an opposing statement and you can carry on a conversation or a dialogue with that person in a way that is once again accepting but not condoning and respectful that practicing that you know as much as you can like we mentioned with Facebook and, and, and the social media, you don't even have to engage with somebody to get activated. And this is a, a good side of the usefulness of social media, but you don't always have to respond like you said. You know, you went through three or four different attempts to respond and then finally get to the point where, hey, is it really necessary for me to respond here? And, and then the next step, rather than responding to that person, Go create something. Um, it, it could be another post, but I would like to say, get off of social media. Take that ignition that it ignited, and then go be creative. Go create something of beauty out of something that negatively activated in you. And that's what we had the free will, you know, to do. And sometimes, you know, you can go just throw paint on a canvas. And there's no intention of it being like uh, a realistic scene. It's just, hey, here's an expression. And when somebody sees that, they're not necessarily going to pick up on the anger. Um, It could evoke something completely different in somebody else. And it could even evoke peace in somebody. So, see, art that's created through anger can actually bring people peace. But conversations that are created out of anger... Very rarely, if ever, bring peace. So be creative, beautiful people.
0: And I did want to end the show by suggesting people turn off their TVs uh, because that is just like energetic sludge coming at you and experience life through your own senses because I, I know I've stopped watching, like I don't have cable and I stopped watching the news long ago and my life has changed just by... Uh, interpreting it through what I encounter and not what I'm told to encounter. And, but you'd mentioned social media. So we can also throw that in there too, you know, take some time away from TV, away from social media and, and live. And, you know, yeah. like I've been trying to consciously go outside and, and actually through. So let me back up for a second through or in the past year, whenever I've felt myself get emotionally off-center, I've gone outside and I've started taking pictures of where I live and posting mm-hmm. them on Instagram and, and even Facebook and sharing the beauty that I'm able to experience on a daily basis with everybody. And I feel like people have really liked that. And so I've done something creative with that energy, but I've also put myself out there to slow myself down, slow my life down, slow my emotions down, my mind down, and realize what is around me, be in the now and see everything. Because when we're so fast and so, you know, overtaken by all these energies out there, we tend to run off a subconscious default way of doing things. And I know like when I'm in that mode, I don't, I don't go outside. So I have mm-hmm. to, you know, take those breaks to go outside and just breathe and tell myself like, look where I live today.
1: Yeah. You know, and uh, and I think a big key is the term you use. How many times do you use, slow down? You know, I just released like a little poem type thing of like basically saying something similar that in the anger, find the stillness. In the frustration, find the stillness. In the rejection, find the stillness. So see, all of that is like we have the right to experience whatever we experience. But take time to get back to that stillness and I think that was such a good expression of you know it changes what you focus on and and right now yes people are so interested in the play-by-play and it it does create a constant uh, feed because this is your environment and in order to grow and to change we have to manage our environment and so that social media the input that we're putting through our senses to what we listen to to what we see um, you know the harder it is to get to that stillness the more of the so-called negative information that you're putting in and I'm not suggesting for anyone to stick their head in the stand but at this point um, you could check in just a little check-in every few days and stay on top of like most of the stuff that's going on and and question how many of the details you really need because um, if you're really interested in doing inner work and growing through these emotional management and releasing traumas you don't put as much energy into all of that stuff once again we have to get back to non-preference so that we can see things clearly and see what these situations that are happening right now what are the lessons for me individually and if everybody did that then everything would resolve itself. So, so I am all about the love. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, of course, we're not Pollyanna uh, with this work, but love is the answer. It's just very different type of love than most people that, that use those phrases are talking about.
0: Yeah, and one way I got to realize the beauty that I live around is seeing how other people reacted to my, my pictures and seeing people love it and, and saying, oh, I wish I could live someplace like that. Right. And it got me to look back and be like, at one point, I was wishing to live in a place like this. And now I am like, I've reached this dream of mine. And like, just to kind of self reflect back and, and realize that I, I was able to find more gratitude and appreciation for what I've done and where I am at this moment.
1: Right yes, and that's that's part of the process. Um, but everything begins with slowing things down and you slow things down by regulating your preferences and starting to truly look at the one free will that we that we do have. Um, I happen to not feel that we have as much free will as most people think, but the one area you do have free will is your perception. And those people that are willing to change or alter their perception. Are the ones that are growing and changing and part of the new way moving forward. Um, so hopefully more and more people are going to be interested in turning all of this external stuff internal and truly changing inside, and then that ripple is just going to go out drastically. Um, so so I am you know thankful to everybody that's on the front lines and playing their roles, and you know whether it's protesting or doing things through the legal channels. Um, we're all here to do play different roles and I'm very clear and happy to play my role. And, you know, know that if I meet somebody that's on the front lines, they're going to have a potential to see me as, as non-active. And that would be very incorrect. But once again, it's just different perceptions of what's important. And I see this as a long-term thing. This is going to take years to straighten out and, Right now, many of the people on the front line are exhausted um so I do thank them for being out there and you know hopefully um working on this the energetic part and the individual part uh, of course is going to ripple out and and the more and more people that work on that, we come together as a group and can affect some major change
0: so uh, did you want to mention uh about the uh well what i what I'm calling a glanner, <laughs> a guide and a planner into one? <laughs>
1: Now yes with that um we we are releasing it to the public this week we have mercury retrograde coming up this Thursday for those of you that that know what that means so so please reach out anyone that's listening to this that's interested in receiving um this planner guide that it does go through uh helping us to pay attention to all five of these levels and it's basically an introduction to this whole philosophy um and how we are growing and changing and the information that's useful and needed for that type of change so it's a very good place to start and we're going to be releasing um, some other ones and we're working on the book right now as well so um so thank you to everybody please send me your emails and let me know that you're interested and i can send it in a pdf and very soon it'll be um, available just on the new website
0: i appreciate everybody Um, and of course you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, um, and of course our website, wise-wise.com if you want to hear more of our podcasts. And I have to say that our next one coming out does expand upon all of this about what's going on and it gets into exemplifying. And it was kind of like like we said um, when we filmed our uh, intro video to the episode, which I'll release later on this week. We said it was a smorgasbord or board. Yeah. I, I actually looked it up. It is board, not boards. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's just something funny that yeah. we said, and we were like questioning each other, like, "What? What is it? <laughs> what is it?" Um, say so again, thank, thank you guys out there. Uh, we appreciate your energy and your time, and uh, you know, share this with anybody you think will resonate with it, and we'll just keep stopping that ripple.
1: Yes. Thank you to everyone and uh, much love and stay tuned. We have uh, more around the corner and uh, join us this coming Thursday for a new sound journey.
0: Thank you all. Take care.